Well, let's go ahead and stand our feet as we put our hands together. Bless the Lord. He's worthy, amen. What an awesome God we serve. But how many know this morning we don't want to just sing songs about God, but we want to sing God's t songs to him, rather. Amen. 
You know, want to make a place as we invite the presence of the Lord with our worship this morning. So let's just slip our hands to heaven. Lord, we invite your presence into this place, Lord. Lord, we love you so much, God. Lord, we know that when you show up, you change things. And God, we pray, Lord, as we continue to worship the Lord, no matter what people walk through those doors with today, God, it's nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible with you. Lord, we just want to make a place that you can be in our midst. We love you, God, and we honor you, and we bless you. And in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.
Yeah. 
How many people believe that this morning? Amen. Amen. You know, every week we uh, we like to pause in the middle of worship and just make an opportunity for uh, for you guys in prayer. And this weekend we were just kind of preparing for service, and there was a couple things that I just kept feeling, and uh, I feel like. This weekend, there's a lot of people that are kind of in this waiting season. And, uh, man, if you've ever really served the Lord for any amount of time, sometimes you're praying for something, sometimes you're believing or fasting for something, and it's not quite playing out the way you wanted it to. Has anybody ever been there? Or it hasn't happened for you yet. And I just want to tell you that God <laughs> is in control. He will never let you down. And he's going to make things happen for you. And it might not be exactly what we want or what we think, but I want to tell you, God will never let you down. How many people believe that this morning? So as we continue to worship, I want to invite our prayer team down front. And if that kind of rings in your heart a little bit this morning, I want to encourage you, man, come down front. Agree with somebody in prayer. But if, if that's not ringing in your heart and you'd like to uh, pray about something else, we love the opportunity to, pr to pray for you. But uh, if that's not you this morning, let's just continue to worship the Lord because he's worthy of everything we've got. Amen. Amen. Let's worship.
like our God, amen. There's no one like you, Lord. Oh, what a Savior, wonderful Jesus. Oh, what a Savior, wonderful Jesus. Because we sing that death could not hold him. You know, I think about if death could have held him, we wouldn't be here today, man. But we serve a king that is risen. And has always brought victory to the captive, amen. He come to set them free, brought freedom to those that are bound up. And we bless his name as we declare that one last time. Come on, help me sing. Death could not hold you, Lord. But death could not hold you. thankful for that this morning that we serve a risen king amen we bless you lord why don't you turn around and greet your neighbor this morning tell him a happy you to see him in the house of the lord
welcome to Church on the Rock. We are so glad you're here worshiping with us today. In the back of the chair in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church. Our inside look lets you know everything about who we are and what we believe in. Our ministry guide gives you plenty of ways to get connected through classes, small groups, and outreach opportunities. If you're a first-time guest, please fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you, drop in the offering, or you can bring it across the hall to the Connect Room where you'll receive a free gift bag. And don't forget about our coffee bar and snacks between Sunday services in the Connect Cafe. We are so glad you're here, and we hope you know there is always a place for you. Here's what's happening at Church on the Rock. free hamburger meal and life group promotion next Wednesday, January 25th at 5.30 p.m. Be sure to come and find the group that's right for you. Keep our Mexico mission team in your prayers this week as they minister in the jungle, Lock and Dawn, and Tuxtepec. We encourage you to download our new church app and follow along with us in our daily Bible reading as we read through the Bible in one year. If you're not receiving texts or emails from our church and want to stay up to date on events and services, please fill out the red card in the seat back in front of you and turn it in with the offering. Pray for our men as they travel to Pine Cove for their men's retreat this Friday. We are believing God for a powerful weekend. Information flyers are available in the Connect Room. I made you beautiful, but you don't see it. I gave you joy, but grief and heartache rob you. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we want I gave you strength, but fear consumes you. I gave you peace but worry and anxiety overcomes you. I gave you power, but you never use it. I gave you love, but you call yourself unworthy. changes everything. I want to invite you to our 2017 Women's Conference. It changes everything. They will be held at Pine Cove Retreat Grounds on Lake Palestine in Tyler, Texas. This will be the perfect atmosphere for you to make friends with other women and to grow in your personal relationship with Jesus Christ.
Amen. Good to see everybody here this morning. Welcome to Church on the Rock. Hey, our ushers are coming forward, and they got some invites they're going to pass down. So grab a packet of those invites and take them out. Invite people. Their lives could be changed by coming. But we got a baby dedication, Pastor. We do have a baby dedication, and I get to hold her. Blake, if you want to introduce everybody. No, no, just tell us who the baby is. Well, this is Miller in her cute little bonnet. Hi. Miller Sue, I can't think of a better name for a child. We could all name our babies that. Okay, she told me she wanted to introduce herself. I mean, introduce her family. Show me where your daddy is. That's daddy. Where's mommy? Mommy. Where's your big brother? Right there. Who else you got? Where's your grandparents? Here. And here. Where's your auntie and cousin? Here. And here. And here. And there's your uncle. This is a smart child. What do you think about that group out there? We're your extended family. You know, the Bible says that children are a blessing of the Lord, the fruit of his reward. And as we dedicate this child to the Lord today, it's a sacred thing. She may not know what's going on, but we do. And really, it's a dedication of a mother and a father, a family, to say that we're going to endeavor to raise this child to know God. We're going to endeavor to provide the not only food and on the table and money for fun, but the greatest gift that you can give this little girl is that you love one another all your days as mom and dad. You give her a secure home, and you always point her the way to Christ. But we're going to just pray and ask God to bless her today. Lord, we just ask you to bless little Miller Sue today. We just pray that it's the blessing of the Lord that makes rich and adds no sorrow. We'll follow her all her days. We pray that you keep her, Lord, from any acts of violence or harm. We pray you keep her from childhood maladies. God, we pray that this little girl would have a tenderness toward God that's evident at an early age. And uh, we just ask you, Lord, to keep her in the palm of your hand and bless her all the days of her life. In Jesus' name. Everybody say it. Shall I see you all later? Oh, tell them to come work in the nursery and you can see me a lot. Amen, amen. You know, one of our, uh, like a vision and a mandate we have from God is to help people connect to God, friends, ministry, and the world. And we say help connect to God. That's hopefully you'll start coming on weekend service. But more than that is connecting in a devotional time. And hopefully you're reading our uh, Bible in a year. You've taken that challenge and you've got our app and able to follow along and reading your Bible. But another one is connecting to friends. And a good way to do that is this Wednesday night we're having a free hamburger meal. And just when you sit around and eat with people, that's a way to get to know some people. But also in the sanctuary, we're going to highlight our uh, a new ministry guide that's coming out and introduce some of our small group leaders and tell you, that's the way you connect to friends. Get involved in a small group. So come this Wednesday night and learn about them. And then connecting to ministry, that was where some of our leaders stood up to lead a small group. And tonight, all of our leaders are getting together in the Connect Cafe. We have a meal and some prophetic ministry for them. And those are the, all the people that are in our ministry guide. And then connecting to the world. Those little invites are one way that we can help reach Texarkana, those people that don't go to church, by handing out those invites. And also then just going to the world, whether it's praying for missions, sending people on missions. We have a group in Thailand right now, and Pastor Linnell has a team in Mexico. So we appreciate all you do to help our church reach the world. We're going to continue to worship the Lord with our tithes and offerings. You know, an understanding of stewardship is realizing that God owns everything. 
all right? Psalm 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. He found it on the seas and established it on the waters. You know, in Genesis, it said God created the world, and then after that, it said he gave it to man to have dominion over. The word stewardship in the Old Testament is the word radah. It means I rule. And But in the New Testament, the word for, for stewardship is oconomos. That means to be a steward. And I'm telling you, when you, I've tried to rule over my money, and it don't work so good. And I'm telling you, when I'm a steward, it works a whole lot better. A matter of fact, a steward is a manager of an estate, an inspector of goods. The steward himself did not own a thing. He just took care of it for his owner. So a good steward biblically first realizes that there's that 10% that's holy. He returns it to the Lord through the storehouse, the local church where you're being fed. And then that 90%, whose is that? That's still God's, isn't it? He owns everything. And see, he owns your refrigerator, he owns your car, your house, your savings account. But here's the good news. Guess when your car breaks down, who's got to fix it? I mean, it's God's. If it's his, then he will make a way for you to get that car fixed. And I have, personally have a big testimony I can share about that. How many out there have seen God, you know, meet your needs when you trust him with that 90%? Amen. So stewardship says, as a steward, we are temporary keepers of everything, and we're just stewarding it. And I just want to thank God to be a part of a great church that's a giving church, not just from you, but our church itself. And because of your faithful giving, the month of December, we had extra, even putting a little toward our building, but able to send some out, you know, all over the place. It took about $20,000, sent part of it to New Boston, to our sister church who bought ground and is going to build a new church. We sent part of it to Rahab's Retreat in Longview, who's helping women get out of sex trafficking. And they're just... We're about ready to open their doors, but they had some snags with the city and some inspections, so we helped uh, hopefully get them into operation, and we sent a big, big chunk to India to help them get buses to haul kids to their school and, uh, and learn about Christianity. Amen? So what do you say we give God a big hand clap for his faithfulness and our ability to reach the world? God bless you as you give.
the Lord. Well, how many can say that's me? Come on, give Jesus a big hand this morning. He's worthy. Come on, a real big hand today. The Lord is worthy of our praise. And before we're seated this morning, I'd like to take a minute and pray for America and our new president. But uh, I want to welcome our missionary. Penny Hiller is back here. Penny waved, everybody. Good to see you. She just got back from Israel. But uh, we want to pray for America a moment. We, this as a nation, we installed our 45th president, Donald Trump, uh, just a few days ago. Four years ago, when President Obama was installed, we took a moment to pray for him, as I did these last four years. It's very biblical. The Bible says in Timothy to pray for those in authority so we might live a quiet and peaceful life. Whether you voted for Mr. Trump or not, you have to agree that he has given certainly an open indication and an open door to Christianity. If you look historically, there were more prayers prayed at his inauguration than any other inauguration in America's history. Now, that's a big thing. Nobody forced him to do it. When he was inaugurated, he placed his hand and took his oath of office, not on Reader's Digest, not on a book of psychology, come on, not on the Koran, but he placed his hand on Abraham Lincoln's Bible and his mother's Bible that had an influence in his life. Uh, while some of America was protesting and being very vile in much of their actions, uh, he and Vice President Pence went to two church services, one on Inauguration Day and one afterwards. They heard the gospel preached, uh, Dr. Jeffries from First Baptist Church in Dallas. So let us believe as we have asked God to come and visit America fresh, not just so we can have better lives, but so America can be a greater place for the gospel. Come on to go to the ends of the earth. Lord, today we do pray for America and we pray for our new president. Lord, we ask you, God, to give this man the wisdom from God. We pray, God, that you would bless him and every person he appoints in office. If he's appointing someone that's wrong, just get him out of the way. Don't let him be confirmed or appointed. But we pray the right men and women would fill the, the halls of, of government. The right men and women, Lord, would fill the, the court system. And, God, we pray that there would be a renewed uh, openness to the freedom of religion and to the, to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, Lord, we pray that as you've given grace to this nation, that we would be responsible for it and we would be a blessing to the peoples of the earth. And uh, I pray that no one would be left behind in America. I pray, Lord, that we would be united as a nation and that you'd bless our president and his leadership in Jesus' name. Everybody say it. Amen. You may be seated. Tell your neighbor you are glad they're here. Turn your Bibles with me, 1 Corinthians, and give me just a moment, 1 Corinthians 15. We've been doing a series called Accelerate. It's what you do in your car when you mash the gas pedal, when you need to pass someone. And it's been a metaphor, a picture of our spiritual life going deeper in our relationship with God, uh, desiring to have a greater uh, effectiveness or productivity in our, our spiritual life. It's what we do here at Church on the Rock. We help you in your relationship with God. It's our number one priority. For some, we help introduce them to Christ. For others, we provide an atmosphere where you can get closer to God. But we call it simply in our mission statement, connecting people to God, friends, ministry, and the world. It's simple. It's strategic for us. Uh, last week, we talked about connecting to God. We talked about ways not only the church can help you, but primarily in your own daily life, having a daily devotion, a time when you open your Bible uh, each day where you take some time to pray. How many can say that's a habit of my life? Wave your hand at me here. Say, I, I try to do that. I mean, I do it every day, but I try to have a daily time with God. Yeah, I want to encourage you. There's nothing better to help you spiritually than take a few minutes. 
One way we help you with this, as we talked about last week, is reading the Bible every day. And we have an app that you can download on your phone. Just type in the store, Church on the Rock, Texarkana. And you can see, you can just, uh, for example, a couple days ago, you just it's blank. You read it. You check it off. It kind of keeps you motivated, uh, keeps you on track. But I found one morning this week, I went duck hunting, and I was running a little late to get back to work. And I thought, well, I, I, what am I going to do? So I clicked the little audio button at the top, and riding home in my hunting garb, I listened to the Bible. And uh, I did it twice, and it helped me, something that otherwise would have been difficult to do. So that was last week. This week, we're going to talk about connecting to friends. And what I'd like to teach you this week is simply this, that the people who influence me today will determine the person I become tomorrow. Whoever is influencing my life. Now, in this message, we're going to narrowly talk about deliberateness in our friendship, who's in our inner circle, who are the people that we open our hearts to and talk to life about. But how many know influence is much broader? How many know you can be influenced by a talk radio personality? You can be influenced by, by uh, a book you read or, 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 or an actor in Hollywood. Uh, Madonna, in her crassness, uh, uh, was against Mr. Trump's inauguration and just splattered the airwaves with, you know, curse words and other things. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't want her influencing me. You know, people influence us. Fashion designers influence us. So it's a broad message because influence is very broad. How many know King uh, Pilate, rather, the governor uh, uh, in Jesus' day in Rome, the Pilate, his wife had a dream and said, don't crucify Jesus, he's a good man. But the pressure of the crowd and the religious leaders said, crucify him. Well, how many know he was influenced by the wrong person? So uh, I think it's going to help you today. I've entitled the message, The Right Friends, but I want to start out with a, a quick video of some of our Church on the Rock family about how they found these relationships here in, uh, in the local church. Take a peek at this, and then we'll be in Corinthians. Being a part of a life group here at Church on the Rock has really been a blessing to us. My family moved from New York in 2014, and we did not know anybody here in Texarkana. But we prayed ahead of time that God would connect us to a great church and to his people. And God did just that. So when we got here and the opportunity came for us to start a live group, we quickly jumped at it. And by taking that step, God has connected us with so many wonderful people. Our children are connected. We're seeing people in the live group grow in the Lord and people jump in to help one another. So it's really been a great experience for us. Our small group has grown to be our family away from home, and we celebrate life together. And much more than that, we are serving God together. Our church has been growing and been blessed by multiplying um, even our services. And so in our services, we have a meet and greet, and that's a great beginning to get to know people around you. But when you join a small group like we have, there is a place of knowing others and being known by others and knowing Christ and the value of Him. Yeah, for me as a mom of small children, uh, adding another thing to the schedule at first felt really overwhelming, but I will tell you that every moment invested into the small group was completely and totally worth it, and every penny invested into our babysitter was completely and totally worth it. Um, my husband and I, we, we've made friends. We've gotten deeper in our relationship with each other, um, with other people, and with the Lord. So if you're here and you're wanting to 
grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus, you can't do it outside of being connected to his body, which is the church. And so there's never a better time than to get connected than right now. So take that step, get connected. You won't regret it. Well, I'll give them a big hand. They did a good job there. Let's begin with a question. Who is influencing me? Who is speaking into my life? Who's shaping the way I, I think and behave? Because, friends, if you, if you will show me your friends today, I'll show you your future tomorrow. Show me who is in your world today, who your running buddy is, who's influencing you, and that's what your future looks like. Uh, I'm using the word influence, and the word influence means the ability a person has to affect my beliefs and my behavior. Influence means your ability to influence what I think about issues in life and how I behave. Uh, think of Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler, if you want to diminish someone today in terms of reputation, all you have to do is compare him to Hitler, whether it's true or not, because the world knows he was a vile man. But did you know Adolf Hitler was raised in a home with a Catholic mom? Adolf Hitler was uh, baptized in the Catholic Church, confirmed at an early age, but his dad had lost confidence in the, in the leadership of the Catholic Church. He had diminished their influence in his life and his family's life. As Adolf grew up, he turned his back on his mom's teaching and he embraced his dad. He grew up to lead a nation that literally killed over 11 million people in the death camps of Hitler. Uh, someone influenced him. Someone made an impact on his life that produced a monster. Have you heard of a man named Omar Mateen? Omar was a young man, I think in his mid to late 20s, he was, uh, had the security clearance in America. He began to make trips to Saudi Arabia. He was influenced uh, by uh, radical teachings of Islam. Uh, he comes to Orlando, Florida in June of last year. He goes into a gay nightclub and he murders 49 people. Why did he do that? Because the wrong people had influenced him. The wrong people had shaped his understanding of life. The scripture says uh, about ungodly influence, don't be fooled, say this with me, bad friends will ruin good habits. The wrong influence will ruin you. I don't care if you have a, if you have a tax advisor and you come into some money, and if it's the wrong tax advisor, he or she, if they steer you in dishonest and unethical ways, it will cost you in the end. Uh, influence is not just who my buddy is, but influence has to do with the people that I allow to shape what I believe about life. My major regrets, I'm 59, but the major regrets of my life, I look back at things I wish I had not done. And they happened when I was 17, 18, and 19. When I gained some degree of independence, was figuring life out on my own. I remember when I was 15, the first time a beer was put in my hand. It was by senior. We had finished district uh, championship. We lost. We were coming home. I was in the ninth grade. My grandfather was an alcoholic. I saw the danger of it, but the pressure of my peers. I remember the first time someone that I knew was smoking marijuana and extended a joint to me. The saddest memories of my life were because of ungodly influence, but the flip side, godly influence... Proverbs 13, 20, it says, walk with the wise and you shall become wise. Walk with the wise, you'll become wise, but conversely, if you hang out with a fool, your life will fall to pieces. As we think about godly influence, think about Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow, now he's playing baseball, but in his football career, uh, he would be interviewed uh, in many occasions. If it was after a ball game, his team had won. The first thing come out of his mouth was he would say this, first and foremost, I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
You know, uh, he, he would write scripture verses often, John 3, 16, under the little black under his eyes. Why did he do that? Somebody influenced him. It happened to be his Christian parents who were living the Christian life at home. They were Christian missionaries. Think of a business person. His name is Truett Cathy. Founded Chick-fil-A. How many like Chick-fil-A? Oh, I do too. Truett Cathy. Today there's over 2,000 Chick-fil-A restaurants. 2,000. Each one averages $3.1 million in sales. If I did my math correctly, that's $6 billion. I mean, no, he's, somebody's getting rich. A lot of people are making money. A lot of people have jobs. But it cre he created a foundation through his life and his foundation. He's given millions of dollars to, uh, uh, to Christian causes. But perhaps his greatest silent witness is the one you could see today. If you drove down Richmond Road and went through the drive-thru or walked through the mall, you couldn't get a chicken sandwich today a power salad or whatever you get there, it's closed. And if you had come here from Mars as an alien and you're wondering, well, why is that the only restaurant closed on Sunday, and you Googled it, you would find out, or you asked someone that he believed that Sunday is God's day. It's a day of Sabbath rest, a day to honor God and give your employees rest rather than making more money. It's a witness he had, but uh, someone influenced him this way. He had a defining mark in his life. He died this year at 93. Uh, he, there's a quote that he gave about his influencer. He, he said, when I was in elementary school, they required us to bring a Bible verse to school on Monday morning. Is it just possible that that which shaped the fabric of America's past could make our tomorrows a better day? Might we pray with, I think her name is Davos, the lady that's over the education department now, that, uh, that she would be able to return a sense of God to our schools. You know, we look at many of the problems in America. For example, you look at the violence in major cities like Chicago and other places. Well, listen, since birth, kids have been raised in an environment that says there is no God. There is no commandment on the wall that says thou shalt not murder. There's no teaching of consequences, all biblical values. And lo and behold, we, this is what we get. But he goes to school. The elementary teacher says bring a Bible verse. Uh, and the teacher would select one Bible verse to be the Bible verse of the week. His mother helped him, teacher and a mom. And here's the verse they selected, Proverbs 22.1. A good name is better to be chosen than great riches. I put my name on the blackboard with that scripture, and it's always stayed with me. Now, who would you rather have his reputation, Adolf Hitler? Truett Cathy. Omar Mateen? Tim Tebow. What is it? It is a good name is, is greater, is more important than great riches. And a good name is because the right people influenced you. So it's an immutable principle. Now, let me give you, if I can, now I want to look at three types of, I'm going to call them friends, but of influencers and influence in your Christian life. These, the kind of people that I need. And let me, let me back up just a second and ask you a question. What is the purpose of my life and yours? What's the purpose? Is it just to shoot more ducks? Probably not. What is the purpose of my life? When it all comes down to it, is there, is there maybe even something, and if I can say this carefully, is there something now more important than me going to heaven one day? Between now and whenever I die and go to be with the Lord, is there something that's of vital importance? Well, it is, friends. Jesus told us very clearly. How many know in all of the Gospels, four Gospels and, and, and the book of Acts, 
after the resurrection, before Jesus went back to heaven in the ascension, he told us one thing to do. And he told us this. It's in Matthew 28. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. Which literally means go and introduce people to me, the Savior, and then help them grow up spiritually. Baptize them and teach them to walk with God. That's your number one purpose in life. Now, whether you're doing it or not is a different issue, but I want to tell you today, our number one purpose is to influence people towards Christ in their journey so that they too can do the same thing. And that's been happening now for 2,000 years. But here's the question. Uh, Well, if I'm going to be a disciple and make disciples, I need three types of people. I'm going to call them a Paul to mentor me, a Timothy that I can mentor or train or disciple, and I need a Luke to walk beside me. Look at this scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, and I want you to see to the secret of Christianity. 2,000 years ago, Jesus was on this earth. Today, there's over a billion people that profess Christ. It is the largest religion on the planet, and regardless of what you read, it is still the fastest growing religion on the planet. Jesus picked 12 guys as his initial, you know, board of directors. One of them went crazy, Judas, and hung himself. Uh, Ten of the other 11 uh, were martyred. They died, but yet today we're in this room thousands of miles away from Israel. How did this happen? I'll show you. 2 Timothy 2, verse 2, and I want you to look for four generations. Paul told Timothy, he said, What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust of faithful men who will be able to teach others. These are four generations. What you, Timothy, second generation, heard from me, Paul, first generation, you entrust to faithful men and women, third generation, and they will teach others fourth generation. It is the secret of Christianity. It is the way that we reproduce ourselves. It is our great responsibility. It is your job and mine, and this is how it happens. It begins with uh, uh, the right people in our life. And firstly, I need a Paul. I need someone to mentor me so I can grow spiritually. Uh, uh, The word mentor, it means a trusted counselor, a guide, a tutor, a coach, a discipler. Uh, when, I, when I was writing this sermon on my Apple Word program, uh, discipler was not even in the dictionary because we've lost the biblical concept. But how many know we can add it to the dictionary? It, 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 um, I need someone to help me keep growing. I need someone to influence me. I need to, someone to keep me from getting off track. Someone to help me stay rooted in the Bible. I've had a many in my life and still have them today. My father-in-law was a pastor in California. When I got out of the Navy, uh, he gave me an opportunity. He mentored me. He trained me to be a pastor. Uh, Larry Myers uh, from Mexico Ministries mentored me in, with a heart for missions. Uh, today, my wife is leading a team in Mexico. They're going to be gone for like, I think, 10 days or so. Uh, they're ministering in Mexico. They're doing women's conferences. They're finding a place to build a church. They're giving out shoes and clothes and, and all these things. We have a team in Thailand, as we speak today, uh, that's, that's, that's been there since the 1st of January. How many know two missions trips in the first three weeks of January is a good thing? You know, you heard Pastor Mike say that we had a great December because of your giving. We take 13% of your tithe, put it in an outreach fund, and invest it outside the four walls of the church. So we sent another $12,000 to a ministry in India to help them buy their first bus because they educate, I think it's 800, 900 kids every day, Hindus, and are turning them into Christians. But the Hindu government doesn't want them to Christianize the nation, so they said their buses were too old. 
So what do we do? We help expand the gospel around the world. So why does this church have this burden? Well, partially it's because of me. It's because I married a missionary, but you are picking up on it. People are on these trips. They sacrifice vacation. They pay their airplane tickets, and they go down there to bring the gospel. Why is that? Because somebody mentored somebody, and somebody's mentoring somebody else. See, this is the way Christianity works. We need a Paul. But also we need a Timothy to mentor. When Jesus told us to go and make disciples, he meant go find someone that needs what you have. Find someone that's either lost, lead them to Christ. Find a young Christian and help them grow spiritually. These are spiritual sons and daughters. Typically, they're younger than you, but, but it's not necessarily an age. We have four great young ministers on our staff here. We Actually, five. We have Pastor Travis. We have Pastor Nick. We have Pastor um, uh, Cole. We have Zach, my daughter Bethany. All men and women that are serving in ministry that are of a younger generation that one day when Pastor Mike gets old, because I'll never get old, when Pastor Mike gets old, they'll replace us. See, it's like, but, and they'll have their own sons and daughters in the faith. This is the way it works, but not just in vocational Christian ministry. This is the way your life should work and mine should work. And can I tell you this, friends? You don't, need to, uh, you don't have to have a Bible college degree come on to mentor people. You don't have to have a Bible college degree to train and disciple people. I was saved at 19. A Gideon gave me a Bible. He wished me well, told me if I received Christ as my Savior, Jesus would change my life. I wrote my Bible in the back of that Gideon Bible, August 15, 1976. And as soon as I did that in the Navy barracks, I put a pillow over my head. I was crying like a baby. I, was, I found what I was looking for. The very next day, I'm in the back of the barracks when we had some extra time, and I'm talking to other, other sailors there about what I just read in the Bible. You could have put my knowledge of theology in a thimble, but I was telling what little bit I knew. I go to Alaska. Well, first I went to Millington, Tennessee. A navigators, a Christian group, poured into me. I went through all the six or seven training books they had. I go to Alaska. Guess what I do? I start a Bible study in my room. No one told me to do it. I was just being a disciple of Jesus. Then I go to California. I do the same thing. So many sailors are coming, getting saved, getting baptized in our church. The church offers me a job. But I didn't do it for a job. I did it because I'm a Christian. And then when I started college at San Jose State University on a business degree, I started a Christian group called the Overcomers. And as Christians, we simply throw a net out, we catch people, we clean them up, we help them grow up as Christians, and this is what defines our life as Christians. We need a Paul to pour into us, we need Timothys to pour into, and my friends, every one of us in this room has something that we can help other people, whether they're little boys on a baseball team, come on now, little girls in the Girl Scout troop, wherever it may be, there are people in our world that we can shape for Christ. Let me give you a third one. I need a Luke. A Luke is a peer. It's a friend to share the journey with me. Colossians 4, in the letter to the Colossian church, Paul addressed uh, our dear friend Luke the doctor sends greetings. He was trained as a physician, but yet he was captured by the gospel and Paul's vision. Uh, He traveled with Paul three trips around the Mediterranean world, planting churches. He writes the book of Luke. He writes the the, the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. And uh, he has a place in world history because he was a peer to a man that God would use him as a pioneer. Uh, 2 Timothy 4, verse 9, it says, uh, Paul writes to Timothy, his son in the faith, Do your best to come to me quickly. Demas and others have deserted me, and only Luke is with me. So what I mean by that is you need a friend that's going to stick closer to you than a brother. 
You need a Christian that's not going to throw you away. Come on, no matter what happens in your life, if your picture unfortunately ends up in the newspaper in a bad way or on Facebook and they're dissing you, come on, and your five-star went to one star, you need Christians that are still going to love you and help you simply because you're a brother in Christ. Now, let me, let me uh, spend the rest of this of my message telling you what I think we should look for in our closest circle of friends. Let me be very clear. I think you and I should have more friends than anybody as Christians. It's a mistake for a Christian to isolate themselves from the, from the world. Uh, didn't Jesus say that we are supposed to go into all the world? Didn't, didn't Jesus, uh, 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 Jesus said to be in the world but not of the world? We don't, but to sadly, when people become Christians, after six months, they typically don't have any friends that are in the world anymore. And if you were to ask yourself today, how many, quote, non-Christian friends do I have in my life, for many of us, we'd scratch our head. Something's wrong in that. We don't want to isolate ourselves as the church. We want to be insulated from the influence of the world. But how many of the world is our goal? How many know we should be the ones that are, that, are, that are, when we coach ball teams, reaching the parents for Christ? We should be the friendliest person in the neighborhood. I mean, we are Christians. So please don't interpret anything that I'm about to say as an exclusion from the very people that Jesus said needed a Savior. See? But in saying that, though, I, I'm not going to let every person influence me. For example, many have fallen away from Christ. Many young people believed in Christ growing up, but either a high school teacher or whether it was a college professor basically took God away from them. Rather than learning the knowledge from the man or the woman that was the professor, they opened the door of their heart, and before you know it, they don't even believe in God anymore. How many know in the basis of any educator, if they don't believe in God, you cannot believe everything they say? And I don't care what field they're teaching you in, at some point, if truth is like built like this giant pyramid, at some point in their philosophy there is no God, then not everything out of their mouth is going to be correct. You have to be careful. You can still take the good and glean the good, but guard your heart. Here's what I'm looking for in a friend. I'm looking for four things in my closest friends. Number one, I'm looking for a biblical worldview. Number two, I'm looking for someone that has biblical character. Number three, I'm looking for someone that has a heart for God. And lastly, I need someone that will confront me when I'm in trouble and messing up. Let's talk about it. My closest friends must have a biblical worldview. By worldview, we mean a philosophy of life that's rooted in the Bible. Let me say it again. A philosophy of life that's rooted in the Bible that determines how I think and behave. For example, in my Christian worldview, I believe there is a God. I believe there is one God. I believe the Savior of the world is Jesus Christ, and every man is a sinner, and every man, woman, and child will stand before God on Judgment Day. I believe that the Bible is the inerrant Word of God. I believe all people have value, whether it's the child in the womb or whether it's grandma with dementia, because they're created in the image of God. I believe all of us are sinners in need of a Savior. These are basic biblical foundational truths, and if you're going to be my friend, you, you have to share these things with me. You and I have to hold them in common. Otherwise, if I let you influence me, I'll come away believing there's no such thing as sin, uh, that I get to determine right and wrong, and I can behave as God, and the Bible is a fairy tale. You look what's happening in Washington yesterday and today, getting a lot of, a lot of attention from the secular press or the liberal press that hates Trump, supposedly marches on behalf of abortion. Now, next week is the anniversary of Roe versus Wade, but you have an opinion on abortion. 
Now, I realize I'm a man, but how many know men can be affected by abortion just like a woman? Come on now, a woman. But what shapes your thinking of it? If you listen to Madonna and company that were, you know, giving the finger and blasting with the F word and how horrible Trump's going to be and he hadn't done a thing yet, all these things, and then you look at this subject of abortion, is there a biblical perspective of when life begins? And when Roe versus Wade was passed, I think in 73, they didn't have the technology to know what was going on inside mom. Uh, but today they do. Today they understand personhood in a different way than we did in 1973. But even before 1973, the Bible still said that we are created in the image of God. And the psalmist said, God knit me together in my mother's womb. And the Bible says God knew Jeremiah in the womb before he was born. And John the Baptist was a person, come on now, with the qualities of personhood. He leapt in the womb of his mother. So if I believe the Bible is God's word and the Ten Commandments say, Thou shalt not murder, are you with me today? Murder is taking innocent life. The Bible shapes my thinking and understanding of even cultural issues. So this is why I want friends in my closest circle. If, if, if you're a young woman, let me say this. If you're someone and you get pregnant, you don't want to get pregnant or shouldn't have got pregnant, we'll help you. We'll love you. I'm not going to judge you because you've made a mistake just like most people in this room have made. But if you're seeking counsel of what should you do with the baby, don't listen to the person that says run up to Planned Parenthood. Come on now. Listen to someone that's going to escort you to a Christian version where you can adopt that child and give that child a chance at life. Yeah. Have you ever heard of, the, of, of Dr. James Robinson? He was one of the men that prayed in the inaugural prayers for President Trump. You know his mother was, in, was encouraged to have an abortion? Well, anyway, that's, that's a, a biblical worldview. Here's the second one. My closest friends must have biblical character. Character means my ethics and morals that determine my values and behavior. My values that determine my, I mean, my morals that determine my behavior. I need influencers in my life that have the Bible as the boundary for them and their character. James, uh, John chapter 8, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and he's saying, you're of your father the devil. You're, he's influencing you. The devil was a murderer from the beginning. He doesn't stand in truth. There's no truth in him. And when he lies, say this with me, he Speaks, put it on the screen, keep going. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, his value system. He's a liar and the father of lies. So, what does this mean? I need people with biblical character. I, I, I need people that are in my close circle that are going to encourage me to tell the truth and not lie, to be honest and not dishonest. I need people in my circle that will tell me to love my enemies and not hate them. I need people in my circle that will, you know, when I let a bad word slip out of my mouth, you know, kind of nudge me a little bit. I need people in my world that when I'm on the edge of temptation, I don't need friends around me, one pushing me saying do it, and the other one pulling it because he's already done it. I need my closest circle of friends saying leave. I've told all my kids, if you're ever in a, in a car or if you're ever around friends and, and, and people are drinking or they're smoking pot or whatever, and, 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 and you know you need to get out of there, you call me anytime, anywhere, I'll find you anywhere in the world, and I will come get you. Listen, I need people in my life that are going to lead me in the right direction and not the wrong direction. I need people that have biblical character. Listen, Tim, it's hard if you're going to try to live the Christian life. It's hard. 
How many can say it's hard not to be, give in to temptation? It's hard for me. Uh, and I, what I certainly don't need is I don't need someone encouraging me to just do it. I need someone around me to help me hold the standard up. I need someone that says, don't click the porno button, as opposed to somebody that's sending me the picture. You're getting quiet on me out there. The third one, and this is different. Biblical worldview is the way that I think about life and understand it. Biblical character is how I behave. But my closest friends must have a heart for God. And there's a difference between good people that believe in the God of the Bible and having a heart for God. The defining scripture of my life, Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Jesus said, the first commandment, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That doesn't mean you have to be a preacher. You can be a, a contractor. You can be a school teacher. You can make tour, uh, tires at Cooper. But you need to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So I want people in my life that are helping me with my priorities. Listen, my best friends, and it's just true, typically are, are people that do things that I want to do. I want to duck hunt, turkey hunt, and I want to garden, <laughs> just like you. And typically our friendships are formed around our interests. But what we need in life, we need people with the heart for God, come on, that will nudge us in the right direction. I don't need a friend, come on, if I'm at Gander Mountain and getting ready to buy the shotgun and scratching my head that it's going to take my whole tithe. I don't need somebody that's going to tell me it's not a big deal. That's legalistic. That's Old Testament. That's blah, 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 blah. I need someone that says, are you going to put God first or not? I, I, I don't need a friend. Come on, when I'm already tempted to hunt anyway and have an excuse on Sunday morning, I don't need somebody, come on now, <laughs> that's trying to tell me, look, <laughs> you got to go, man. And your wife is sitting there, come on, honey, it's time to go to church. Now we're getting ready. I'm not going to give the devil my tithe, come on now, any more than I'm going to give away God's time, come on, on the first day of the week in the house of worship. I need friends that have a heart for God. And lastly, my closest friends must be willing to confront me when I'm messing up. Proverbs 27, 6, it says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Now, this is not a bloody nose because your friend hits you. It's pain, internal, emotional pain your friend caused you because they got in your business. Uh, Jesus said in Luke 17, if you see your friend going wrong, what do you do? Correct him. Love me enough to help me before I mess up. If you're my friend, listen, I need someone. If my eyes are wandering away from my wife and my friend is with me, I don't need him to tell me how beautiful this woman that's hitting on me is. I need a friend. If I was supposed to hang out with my friends and do whatever, and I didn't because I was having lunch with this other lady, and it was a business lunch. We were praying. I need my friend to come ask me, what in the world are you doing, stupid? I need people that love me enough to be truthful with me and get in my business. Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. He's, he's worthy of our praise. Why don't you stand to your feet? We're going we're gonna to close with prayer today.
You know, there's no perfect people in the world here. We don't have any perfect ones at Church on the Rock, but we do have a lot of people that are trying to love God and walk this thing out. If I were you, I, I, I would highly encourage you, come Wednesday night. We're having free burgers. They're grilled. They're great. They're uh, from 530 to 6. Eat a burger with us, and then at 7 here in the sanctuary, we'll have a little worship, and then we're going to give you a chance to meet all the group leaders that are, that are in our church. We've got 55 this semester. 25 life groups in homes, mostly Wednesdays. The rest of them are meeting, doing outreach stuff during the week. Some of it's fun, uh, you know, some of it's real serious spiritual, some of it's helping the homeless. But the point is, is there's people that are like you here. And if you look around or maybe you looked at that ministry guide in the back of the chair and just said, that is just nothing that interests me, we'll start it. We'll help you attract a circle of friends like you because friends is all about influence. And I don't know about you, but if I'm going to be serious about this Christian life, I need a Paul in my life. I need to find a couple people that's going to help me spiritually grow. I, I need some Timothys. I need to find some younger people. I need to find some people that are not quite where I am in God that I can help grow and I'll fulfill what Jesus called the Great Commission. I need to find some Lukes that are just going to take me by the arm, that'll be there to help pull me up, that'll be there to pat me on the back. I need people to walk through this life with. And when I'm looking for the key people that influence me, I'm looking for people with a biblical worldview. I'm looking for people with biblical character. Biblical character is something like humility that won't think we're better than anybody else. Come on now. We're just sinners saved by the grace of God, endeavoring to follow God. I need biblical character to surround me. I need people that are, have a fire about God, a love for God. It takes me more than just going to church every once in a while. And I need a friend that will get in my business when I need it to be gotten into. How about you? Could, could we just pray this morning? And next week we're going to talk about connecting to the world. I think it'll speak to you. We've got a lot more chairs, too, on Saturday night and Sunday first service. You want more space. But let me, let me take just a minute, and let's just pray. Let's just bow our heads just a moment, and let's ask God to send the right friends in our life. See, I don't know where you are, but why don't you just ask the Lord? Lord, would you just help me find somebody that will take an interest in me and help me grow spiritually? I, I need a Paul. I need some discipling, some mentoring. But for most of us here, Lord, what we need is we need to give ourselves to young men and young women. Could be boys and girls. But we need to give ourselves to the next generation of Christians. We need somebody to pour into and disciple. Lord, every one of us needs a loop because the journey is a hard one. But, Lord, not only do we need these things, Let's pray now that God would help us be a friend to others. Lord, would you help us all take it up a notch in terms of our commitment to biblical truth and biblical character? Would you help us get some fresh fire for God, God first in our, in our life? And would you help us be a friend because a lot of people need what we have? Come Holy Spirit today. I want you to just say, Lord, would you just let what I heard today grow in my heart? Because I know deep down it's true. I need to connect to friends. The right friends. Because whoever my friends are today will determine my future. In Jesus' name. I want to close with an opportunity for personal prayer. Here's what I, I found in my experience over the years pastoring. Uh, when, when people have taken time to worship, when people have taken time to open the Bible together, the Holy Spirit can just kind of get all in the midst of that. 
and, and things just kind of get upended in our hearts. We begin to think about things in our mind. We feel impressed to do something or stop doing something. We have a burden for someone else. Well, let me tell you what you do with that. You act on it and you pray. And maybe there's something that in your life that you'd like someone to pray with you about before we go. In just a moment, we'll close our service. We'll have one song, uh, and we'll pray for you and, and then dismiss. But in this prayer time, I want to specifically ask today, if you're here, and you say, Pastor, what I need is a real relationship with God. Maybe you're like I was when I was 19. Listen, I went to church all my life. I'm grateful mom insisted I go to a little country Methodist church, but it didn't help me. It didn't take don't get me wrong, it wasn't their fault. But I learned, I had it in my head, but it never affected my life. It's like, uh, you know, most time I go to the gas station, it didn't change my life. All I did was get a little gas, and I keep going where I was going. But when Christ is your Savior, it's a deliberate spiritual experience. It's when you surrender your life to Christ. When you believe in Him as your Savior, is the one who came to down the cross for your sins and rose from the grave, coming back as King of Kings. When you believe in Christ and surrender and follow Him, hey friend, your life will change. It's so dramatic, the Bible has a word for it. It's called being born again. It's called being saved. It's called a spiritual rebirth. But it's like a present. If it's your birthday and you get a call from a friend, maybe it's your grandma and she doesn't get out much anymore, but she ordered something online. She's savvy grandma, you know, she's Googling and she, she got you your favorite little duck call and she's got it in a box. And she says, John, honey, listen, come get your present. You're gonna really like it. Well, let me know, unless I go to her house and pick it up, I'll never enjoy the benefit. Do you realize 2,000 years ago, the man Christ Jesus, the Son of God, died on the cross to offer mankind salvation from their sins and the promise of eternal life. Well, how many know you've got to reach out and take it? And the way you reach out and take it is by asking God for forgiveness and surrendering your life to follow Him. And maybe this is exactly what you need today. My friends, we'd be honored to pray for you. So if you're here today and say, Pastor, I need to get my life right with God, and I want to do it right now. If that's you, would you just lift your hand real quickly? We're going to pray for you. Just lift your hand. We'll pray for you today. Say, pray for me. I need to commit my life to Christ, Pastor. I saw someone in the back there. God bless you, dear. We will pray for you today. Someone else, say, pray for me. God bless you too, dear. We will pray for you. Somebody else, pray for me. My life with God is not where it needs to be. You say, why are you doing that? Why do I have to raise my hand? Listen, first of all, let me say, I don't want anything from you. I'm not asking you to join the church. But Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. And this will be a place when you make a step to Christ, we will clap our hands because you've made the greatest decision of your life. Because you, when you get out in your world, it's going to be just as ugly as it was, and you need the strength to walk away from it. So let me ask one more time, if you're here, say, Pastor, I want to commit my life to Jesus today. Pray for me. Lift your hand. Anyone else today? And we'll pray. God bless you, and God bless you too. We're very proud of you. And God bless you, young man, and God bless you too. Anyone else today? God bless you too. We're very proud of you today. Listen, all you that lifted your hands, why don't you just come and meet us at the cross? Someone is here. Give one more big hand. You that lifted your hands, we want to pray for you. We want to do it right now. I'm committing my life to Christ today. Just slip out of your chair. Come on, you that lifted your hands. Our prayer team is coming to the front right now. They're going to meet you here. Come on, prayer team. Pray for people. They're going to pray. People are coming, making steps to Christ. Come right over to the cross. We need people with Pastor Mike right over here. He's going to pray for you as you're making this life-changing decision. I love you very much. We'll pray through this, and I hope you'll come on Wednesday night for Burgers at 530 and learn about small groups.
Continue to worship this morning. Prayer team's going to remain around front. Hey, they'll pray with you about anything. But if not, you're free to be dismissed. God bless you. We look forward to seeing you next week.